Welcome to the Midwest Game Nerds Podcast. I'm your host, John. And here with me today are Brian. Hey. And Alex. Hello. Today, Brian's going to do a top five immersive sin games on us in his leaderboard segment. Alex is going to mix some virtual insanity in with his patch notes, and I'm going to play some inside baseball. Not necessarily in that order, but before we get to all that, if you want to follow us on social media or see other places you can listen to or watch the show, check out MidwestGameNerds.com slash links. The Midwest Podcast Network has a Patreon. The Patreon supports all the shows on our network. You could subscribe for as little as $1 a month to help keep our shows alive and well. Check it out at mpn.bz slash Patreon. Thanks to Jason K, Tom Z, David O, Alan K, and Corey Z for the contributions. One of the perks of joining the Patreon is you get early access to our bonus episodes that we call side quests, where we, you know, dive off into the realm of things outside of video games, like real life <laughs> and other stuff. Yes. Uh, food, beverages, movies, TVs, and more. This, uh, this time, I have, uh, I'm going to talk about my Pixel Watch. And, uh,. There was something else I wanted to talk about, but I can't remember what. But I can't remember what, but that's okay. Was it Dorito flavored Lay's? We can talk about Dorito flavored Lay's too. Yeah, that's a good idea. Did and you Cheeto, guys not the Cheeto watch any ones. cyberpunk TV show? I, I had that's no time. That's what we talked about. I tried. Dude. I tried to do yeah. it, man. I, like, I didn't. Every time I put it on, I fell asleep, and not because it's not interesting, but because I'm just that tired. So <laughs> I tried. I didn't try. We'll we'll aim next time. Thank you, Brian, for doing yeah. the homework this time. <laughs> um, I only did some of it. Yeah, so I ate the rest. There you go. I didn't think <laughs> we were gonna watch all of it, but anyway. Uh, yeah. So, anyways, you can join our Patreon to get those episodes a week early. Otherwise, they show up in the feed in our off weeks, which is fine too. As always, we do appreciate feedback, which you can send to MidwestGamers at gmail don't forget to rate and review us on your favorite podcatcher. Those rates and reviews are helpful to get us up in the boards. So, anyways, um, yeah, Alex, any bumpers for the network? Not really, because unfortunately, the last horror movie yearbook episode was lost to the digital bandit who stole it off of the SD card before uh, they could they could edit it. Sad. Uh, but they are planning to talk about some of the things that they lost in that episode, including uh, Werewolf by Night and the new Hulu Hellraiser. So please check that out when it's out this weekend. There's also a uh, an honor roll out. Um, it's out already for patrons. Should be out pretty quickly on the main feed for Horror Movie Your Book. Tim covers uh, some 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 big new movies, I believe, in the horror sphere. So please make sure you keep up. To find out what'll be on the 2022 Tim's list at the end of the year. So please give that a listen. Hell yeah. All right. Let's get into some Inside Baseball. Inside Baseball. <laughs> you guys can hear them now. We heard them now. Yeah, we heard it this time. Uh, <laughs> Speaking of horror movie yearbook, I did just listen to the Tiny Terror where those guys talked about uh, Resident Evil and they were talking about the Silent Hill games. And I thought it was really interesting that they they kind of said how like Silent Hill is unmistakably a horror genre game uh, and how that uh, 
you know, Resident Evil was kind of having a tough time, like, figuring out what it was for a while. Like, it started off as, like, a zombie thing, and then it became kind of sci-fi action, and then it was, like, it's always kind of had some horror elements mixed into it. Um, but they felt like it wasn't really sure what kind of game it was trying to be. And some of that kind of shifted throughout time as technology, like, got better. Um, it has been an evolving series with, you know, similar thematic elements, I suppose. Um, most namely horror, obviously. But, uh, I, one of the things I, like, I am sitting there, like, listening to them talk about it. And I'm, and I'm just like, well, they're not talking about Supermassive, like, at all. And I feel like the Supermassive guys have done so much for horror games because uh, horror in as a genre of cinema is so well-defined, I suppose, it, but has various other sub-genres within it, you know, slasher flick here, uh, ghost story there, yada yada, that sort of thing. Um, but I feel like the supermassive people have done such a great job of taking the horror game genre and making it feel more like the movies in ways that is so far beyond what Resident Evil and Silent Hill do. And granted, it's been a while since I've played either of those sorts of games um, or any horror game for that matter. And I suppose, like, one of the ones I should be looking at was um, Evil Within is one that I feel like not enough people talk about, but I was hearing really good things specifically about the second Evil Within game. Mm -hmm. Um, But mainly, like, Supermassive does this thing where, like, you get to see different viewpoints from different characters, like, things happening simultaneously in different areas of the same universe and world that they're in. Um there are action parts where you're shooting things. There are parts when you're running from stuff. There are things where you're jumping over objects or trying to grab ropes. Like there's just so many like that. If someone came to me and said, what's a good game in the horror genre, I feel compelled to give them super massive games to look at, you know, until dawn and the dark pictures anthology games that we've played. Like those sorts of games feel more in line with horror to me than say Resident Evil, which is scary, don't get me wrong, but probably more of a third person action game of sorts, right? At least the older ones were, and then the newer ones are first person. Um but they are adding a third person mode. We'll get to that later. <laughs> uh I don't know, like how do you guys feel about any of that? Does that like do you feel like that kind of it's like super massive kind of takes that uh trophy away from Capcom from you know or or Konami I guess like does is that something that like you you guys agree with or am I like completely off base with that I mean to me the thing is that um I think Supermassive's games are so um I'm trying to think of the correct word for this but it it's like a playable movie, right? Yes. It, to, to me, the supermassive stuff is like... If if someone told me, I love horror movies, I don't really like video games, what should I play? I think supermassive games are the, the perfect suggestion for them. But I don't know that I would call them the best horror games. Because I think... 
to me, when I think of my favorite experiences playing horror games, <clears throat> Resident Evil 7 very much comes to mind. And I think part of part of your premise there, like, Resident Evil doesn't know what it's want to be. Resident Evil still doesn't know what it wants to be, in my right, opinion. Right, right. Because I think Resident Evil 8 even kind of dials back some of the horror for the more action-y stuff. And it's always been trying to find that balance between the two, which I think is interesting in its own right. But if I want to go strictly horror games, like some of the things that I think of are sitting there and watching people play Amnesia or um, the Slender Man game that uh, was like kind of just like a indie downloadable demo thing that you didn't have to pay for. Watching people play things like that, I think, was... There's some really scary stuff in that, and you are just an active participant always. There's never any moment where stories just happening in front of you like is sometimes what happens in a supermassive game. They do a really good job at making you interact with things and make decisions that affect what you're watching, but sometimes it's just make a decision and watch what's going on. And that, to me, is a good gateway for people who like horror films into video games, but it's not, like, necessarily the most video gamey horror experience that you can have. Well, it's it's funny that you say this idea of, like, watching people play Amnesia or Slender or any of that, because I think part of what makes horror fun is watching those movies with other people or playing those games with other people you know like we didn't i we didn't play a couch co-op version of any of the um uh super massive they, stuff. the super massive games but we could have i did yeah brian That's you true. and erica did <clears throat> but i imagine like that uh playing in that way probably gives you different levels of anxiety because you're oh, not absolutely. in control so like <laughs> it was fantastic I but still I have to play uh, Little Hope. I forgot about that. Give but that I think back. That's, that's a big part of horror. Cause, and, and I mean, I remember having the GameCube and the Resident Evil remake up in my bedroom at our parents' house and having like six, seven friends over all piled on my bed and we're all watching Jason play it. Like, screaming at all the jump scares and everything. Like, as a group, like, it was a fun activity to watch one person play the game while the rest of us just get to, you know, get the shit scared out of us. Like, that was funny. It was enjoyable. I think that's For part sure. of the experience. I um, think there's two sides of it. Because when I think of that epitome of what horror video games is to me, playing the VR of Resident Evil 7 is just uh, an experience yes. that, number one, I'm never going to have again, and number two is singular. Like, there's nothing else like going up the stairs after Mia and me needing to push the stick forward to do that, but not wanting to or being able to do it because I'm fucking horrified. <laughs> and there's not really anything like that in a supermassive game. There's times where things might be scary or you might think something's coming and you don't want to do it. But a lot of that game is catching you up in the like quick time event part of it of like, oh, you're under duress and you need to figure this thing out. Like Resident Evil 7 forces you into making the choice to get into that scary situation 
and yeah. it's horrifying. And there's nothing else like that. Like that to me, I, I, the problem is here. I have a really big blind spot in that I never really played a lot of the. I haven't played any of the Silent Hill games, and um, you know, mixed feelings on the remake of Silent Hill Two because a lot of people are. A lot of diehard Silent Hill fans are upset that Bloober Team is making Silent Hill 2 because Bloober Team's horror stuff is just kind of eh. But, um... It looks yeah, stunning. I, it, do, it does look very good. Uh, what I will say, I do think Supermassive is doing something great. I just think these are all like the the different... These are like more color on the genre of horror, you know, and that's interesting because I feel like horror is one of the only movie genres that has this like wide variety of subgenre in things like slasher movies and, um, you know, creature features and like all the, like the different there's people who love creature features, but they hate slashers or like vice versa, anything like that. You get these very polarized like subgenres of horror films and I feel like horror video games, just there's so many different flavors of what you could get out of a horror video game, whether it is the super massive experience of very cinematic story or the active participant in a scary situation like Resident Evil 7, that kind of situation. Um, you know, I, I think I like that diversity and I think um, I love what Supermassive is doing. I still really want to play the quarry. I haven't played it yet. Um, and until dawn was fantastic. Um, but there's something about it to me that almost is willing to throw those more in the movie genre (laughs) in a lot of ways, which isn't necessarily fair, but that's kind of where the schism is in my brain with, with your, your question in particular. I think I, my memory might not be serving me well here, but like, uh, I felt like Until Dawn maybe had a little more interactivity to it than the Dark Pictures anthology games, but maybe I'm just not remembering that properly. No, I think they both have moments of, like, you are walking around a space and picking up items and, like, observing them, and there's, like, small puzzles that you can figure out. Like, they both have that. But it still, to me, is very surface-level when comparing to something like a resident evil where there is combat to deal with, there are deeper puzzles to do, you know, I I would say as someone that has played random resident evil games throughout the franchise history, I think deciding whether it is a, a horror game or not depends entirely on the entry you play because yeah. Like, f- I played all the way through 5, which I didn't really like. It, it looked really nice. Um, but it was definitely through and through a third-person action game that felt like kind of a crappier version of Gears of War to me. Mm-hmm. And was not scary, from what I remember. Um, but Resident Evil 2, definitely a bit frightening. Especially since you really have to watch your ammo and all that at all times. And you can easily get overwhelmed with, uh, too many zombie dudes. And, uh, seven, I gotta say, I played the demo in VR for 15 minutes and I don't think there's anything more terrifying than that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wondering how much of, cause Resident Evil is very much survival horror. 
Silent Hill, I think, like, I, I, I'm curious kind of what, I don't know. I just know so very little about Silent Hill, and I'd be curious to even play it. Like, I've always wanted to play through Alien uh, Isolation, That's which I think is also... funny you mention that, because I just started playing that today. That's awesome. Like, I, I, I want to play that. I heard there's a great VR mod out for it, too, that kind of thing. Um, but, like, yeah, I mean, I, I'm curious with Silent, Silent Hill. The, Silent Hill is, like, one of... Silent Hill and Resident Evil are this weird call and response. It's like the Dante's Inferno and uh, what's the other volcano movie that came out in like the same year? <laughs> uh, volcano, I think. Yeah, I think it was called Volcano. Wasn't maybe it? Volcano. I don't know. That's probably right. But they're like that twin movie thing of like Konami heard that Capcom was working on a horror game or vice versa, and they're like, "Oh, we should do that too." And and they're. They're both very much steeped in the Japanese horror that is kind of like, yeah, we're going to make it kind of sci-fi E2, I think. Like, I think part of me thinks that if you go far enough down the Silent Hill timeline, it also loses its way the same way that Resident Evil did. Maybe in a different direction or a slightly different flavor, but like... Well, yeah, I mean, they're probably just trying to go with the trends and, you know, cash in on whatever's popular at the time. For sure, and they're they're also both series that spanned so long that they got into the period where, like, a lot of the Japanese video game makers did not know how to evolve into the PlayStation 2 and 3 era. And so, you know, it's it's interesting, you know. Like, Resident Evil 4 is very much, like, the godfather of third-person action video games today. Like, it is very much that. And so, they didn't really find their way again until Resident Evil 4, which came out pretty pretty long after Resident Evil 3, if I'm recalling correctly. Um, and Resident Evil 3 is very much the action game equivalent of what you would think Resident Evil 1 and 2 are. So it's kind of, it's weird. They go through this weird, like, cyclic situation of, like, we're going to oscillate between pure horror and not pure horror. And, you know, like, the first Resident Evil game has a bunch of, like, weird science experiment crap in it, too. So that science fiction horror-y stuff has been in there from the beginning, but I, I'm... I wish I had the context of Silent Hill, honestly, to to really understand what Willie and Tim would have would have meant by that. Because I I think it's it's an interesting idea, but you know, and I just feel like that's that's the, the, talking about the Japanese horror is like very specific to Japanese video game makers, whereas like the the more U.S. stuff like like your amnesias and whatnot, I think is really hasn't come into its own until now. Five nights at Freddy's is a whole nother genre or like not genre, but series that I never touched in the, in the horror uh, realm. So uh, I, I think I like the, the wide variety of different horror experiences that are available in video game form. And supermassive and resident evil games and you know whatever konami's gonna start being after these silent hill games start hitting uh i'm I'm appreciative of all of them for different reasons i think so you know yeah i mean there's like this obviously obviously i mean this sparked a little more of conversation than i was expecting out of it but that's (laughs) that's cool uh i'm glad it did 
curious what other people think. And, and I may be mm-hmm. interpreting what those guys were saying completely differently. They're not here to jump in and talk about it. So maybe we should, maybe I, I should have hit them up. I think fucking wrong. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, there's, there are so many games that fall into that like horror game genre that we're not even talking about. Like the fear games. Yeah. Were fucking mm-hmm. terrifying games. Like those games were scary as shit. But they're good games, like good first-person shooters, and they were creepy as shit. Uh, Parasite Eve is another one that that I really mm. actually I want to go back and play that because it's been a long time. I don't know if you still have my copy on PlayStation or not, but um, that's one I I need to revisit because I remember Parasite Eve being very cool. Um, what else? There's a bunch of them. I'm like flipping through websites. There's some crossover here with our next might have it here. subject because yeah. a lot of people consider many immersive sims to be horror games as well, in a sense, like System Shock, System Shock 2, yeah. Prey, Prey to a certain Prey. degree. Yeah. Honestly, one of the most terrifying times I remember playing these games was the original Thief because I was like three quarters of the way in. And didn't anticipate running into undead creatures in a game where I had only seen people. <laughs> That'll do it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, unfortunately, have a theme for the leaderboards uh, thing as of yet. But did either of you? Did either of you ever play the original, like the Thief remake, like just Thief on like? I PlayStation played the 4? original Thief um, and Thief Two. I did not finish either of those, and I played there, Deadly there was Shadows. Like the one which that the came third. out. There was the one that came out on PlayStation Four, like pretty close to the beginning of its lifespan. PlayStation Four is probably oh that one. I did play a little bit of that one. I forgot about that one honestly. Just yeah. titled Thief. Yeah, I need yeah. to go back and play that too. It. Uh, I don't know. Something about it rubbed me the wrong way, so I never really got into it. But I should give it another try. Well, knowing Square Enix, they gave up on it halfway through updating, anyways. So, <laughs> par for the course. But anyways, immersive sims. Let's talk about immersive sims. What is an immersive sim, Brian? Um. Well, I mean. That's kind of up for debate somewhat what exactly <laughs> an immersive sim is, but for the case or for the uh for this occasion of me doing a top five, I am sp- like going to stick specifically to first person immersive sim games. Um and essentially like the defining trait is that it emphasizes player choice first and foremost, and tackling situations that you run into. And it is not a fully open-world game. You're confined to playing within your role, essentially, like you're a thief or you're trapped on a space station or, you know, you're you're playing a character in a specific role, but right. you you're open to approach the situations any way you want for the most part. Like there's usually multiple, there's all generally speaking, there's multiple paths through different levels, different ways to take out enemies, or you can completely avoid enemies. You can change the outcome of the story generally. Um, I guess, I mean, that's really what it comes down to, I would say. And 
the everything kind of works like in like a system of simulations, I guess you could say. There's usually some sort of physics um, component that you can play around with, but not always. That's as good as I can uh, sum it up, to be honest. Okay. No, yeah, I mean, I, I've, I, I honestly, I don't know. I feel like my first interaction with the word or the genre of immersive sim might have might have been recorded on this podcast when we talked <laughs> about Underworld Ascendant, which I went to go see when it uh, when we were at PAX uh, before yeah. it was released. But like, there's something to me that feels really malleable about the concept. But then when you look at the list of video games, you're just kind of like, yeah, I guess these like there's. There's something to me that is very, I can feel the connective tissue between these games, but it's not even necessarily like they're all, like, I wouldn't necessarily put them next to each other. Yeah. In, in like, you know, story from a story standpoint, or even just from like gameplay, like the gameplay in these games can be very different in a lot of different ways. And so I find it kind of interesting that it's. Yeah, I I actually started playing, I mean, I've always wanted to play Alien Isolation, but I actually started playing it now, finally, because it comes up on a lot of lists. Like, if you try to look up Immersive Sim, and I didn't realize that people considered it that. I had no idea. So, (laughs) that got me more curious in how the gameplay is. And I gotta say, so far, it doesn't emphasize combat, that's for sure. I've played probably (laughs) 30 to 45 minutes and haven't even found a weapon yet, or anything remotely close to a weapon. Um, or an enemy, for that matter. (laughs) Yeah. But I've definitely had some choices to make, you know, which direction to go, and, uh... Yeah, I'm sure it'll open up more. What, what location I'm, would you I'm like interested. the alien to kill you in? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's the choice that you get to make. Um, yeah, I guess the original, what most people consider the original immersive sim is Ultima Underworld, uh, the Stygian Abyss. But I never got around to playing that. I remember seeing it on shelves when I was younger, and I really wanted to buy it, and I never got around to it. My first experience personally would be the first System Shock game, um, which I played a lot of, but I never quite finished it. I'm pretty excited for the remake to come out eventually, finally, because I played the demo of it and they didn't. It looks like it's shaping up to be awesome, honestly. Um, But I did play through System Shock 2. That was probably the first one I actually finished. And many, many more. But let's get on to my list here. Number five. It was very tough. Like, I've played enough of these to where, to completion, honestly, um, to where making a top five list was actually difficult. Um, But number five, I decided to go with Dishonored 2. And Dishonored 1 may overall be the better game as far as story goes and the fact that it was first. But uh, Dishonored 2, just the level design and some of the situations and the way this, they play with the gameplay um, are just amazing to me. And I liked the uh, setting better. 
Um, and Dishonored 2 is really cool because it it basically is like a it feels like a spiritual successor to Thief because there's there's a lot of thieving to be had, but I mean primarily first and foremost you're an assassin. However, you can play the entire game in a non-lethal manner if you want. And uh, I actually did that with Dishonored 2. I played the entire game through without killing a single person. Well, and there's a mechanic of the Plague Rats, right? Like, the less um, you kill... There are... In the first game, yes. In the second game, it is bloat flies. It's just... Okay. It's the same mechanic, though. It's the mm. chaos mechanic. Yeah. Basically, the world changes around you. Um, yeah. I guess the more the more, the more you, do. you I kill. I don't know yeah. how many people have played these games. I guess I probably should have said it's uh from Arcane and they make a lot of these types of games. Mm-hmm. Um but most yeah. recently Deathloop, which yeah. we talked about. I think they're first of this type. I could be wrong though. Usually am is Arcs Fatalis. But I did I mean didn't not play that one. Yeah, they did Dishonored, they did Dishonored 2, uh, Prey, Deathloop, Dishonored, Death of the Outsider. They're good at what they do. They they have people um, in their staff that worked on the, the, the old school immersive sim games. Um, anyways, number four. Now this... Apparently, it's up for debate whether this is even actually an immersive sim to some people, but for the most part, people consider it one. Bioshock. I think most people are familiar with Bioshock, so I'm not going to dive into that one too much. But the original Bioshock, I thought, was uh, pretty awesome in, in its world that it built, and like it had a lot of cool systems to play with or whatever. But I do feel like it didn't have... I think this is why it's up for debate with some people as to whether it's not, or whether it's a true immersive sim or not, is because the level structure is definitely more linear than a typical mm. immersive sim. Um, I don't yeah, recall kind of being more... able to like traverse through levels in a different way or like go back to old levels like you could. It's, it's kind of more about like the the. Um your uh choice of how you deal with the combat interactions yes. is mostly where the immersive simminess comes in less so than the the level design and how mm-hmm. to get around the world and accomplish things so you have to kind of accomplish the same thing but there's still a couple different ways to do it is basically yeah there, there's definitely d- different ways to approach the combat and to approach whether or not you want to deal with combat with like you can hack turrets and have them do things for you. Mm-hmm. I was really big into playing the mini pipe dream game, the hacking game. That's like mm-hmm. the best thing ever. And uh, <laughs> until you've done it like a hundred times, and then it's yeah. not so cool anymore. Um, but yeah, that was just, it was a good game. It had a cool twist to it. Um, they had multiple endings. Uh, yeah. Number three, um, the newer Prey, not the 
uh, whatever year that was that that came out. Yeah, the, like 360-ish era. Maybe, 2017, maybe. I think. Yeah, I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. 2017. Yeah, so that was, one yeah. was developed by Arcane Austin. Um, we we talked about it on this show. We did. It was a game, like, when it came out for some reason, I didn't play it. I think it's because I had heard people had technical difficulties with it. Mm-hmm. And that and my computer at the time was not not one of my better ones. I think I hadn't rebuilt it yet. And um, eventually I did pick it up, though, and I was just wowed by it. Like, obviously, because I thought Bioshock was, like, one of my favorite games for a long time. And I still have nightmares about the Circus of Values jingle. From, but, uh... <laughs> anyways, um, Prey just does all the immersive sim stuff right. It's just like you can play so many different ways and they all just feel kind of natural. Like if it doesn't feel like you are doing the wrong thing, in my opinion, um, you can play through the game entirely without picking up any of the like powers in the game, the alien powers. And I think that gives you a completely different ending. I'm sure it does. I did not play it through it that way because it's just too damn cool to use those powers. <laughs> but the the I would say the main uh, horror element of it that I uh, was hinting at earlier was if you use the powers too much, a giant alien, I think called a nightmare, will spawn in the level that you're in and hunt you down and it is terrifyingly huge um fortunately it's so big that you can find yourself hiding in confined spaces to just get away from it because it's kind of on a timer (laughs) uh (laughs) but it's an interesting mechanic and um also the mimics are terrifying they're just like little yeah. blobs that can be any object in the room so like you can just go in and like a coffee cup is an alien and uh yeah that definitely made me jump a lot uh yeah you don't have to jump if you shoot everything with a shotgun before yeah, you walk well, up to yeah well that's it. hard to do because ammo is pretty scarce i know yeah you just walk around swinging a wrench at everything I can't stress enough, though, that people sleeping on this game that have even a little bit of interest in this genre need to play that game. Plus, it's modernized. Like, it's not amazing looking, but it has a stylized art to it that, like, has aged pretty well, I feel. So, it still looks good enough. Um, Number two... I'm going to go with Deus Ex, the original one, which that game I was just obsessed with when it came out. And uh, I'm sure a lot of people are more familiar with the newer ones. And to be honest, I don't know if I could go back and play Deus Ex as it is now, because I don't think it has aged very well in a lot of departments, especially graphically. (laughs) Yeah. But, um... I'm sure, like, the, the gameplay mechanics of it... Well, like, the, the choice that you have in it is uh, is pretty awesome still. Like, I remember you could just straight-up kill off characters that 
were part of the story and some of them, I guess you couldn't, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. It was pretty, pretty fun. And the story was super cool. It was just like, uh, X-Files kind of meets whatever and conspiracy theories and future futurism, I guess. Yeah. Um, that's, yeah. uh, I feel like that's one that's like ripe for remake or reboot or something like, you know, now that, uh, the Embracer group has embraced the Western studios that Square Enix once held, I yeah. have to assume there's a Deus Ex that'll be coming out soon, but I hope so. I mean, I will say like the, the newer ones, human revolution was pretty awesome. Uh, mankind divided, would have been awesome if it felt finished, but it just kind of stopped like two thirds of the way through the story. Yeah. Um, and it was a little bit clunky at times. Uh, those games are good. Mechanically, they're very solid, but the original Deus Ex is hard to beat. Um, and then number one for me would be System Shock 2, which. I feel is like the main influence on all of these games that I've mentioned. Um, it is just to, to this day, I still feel like that's one of the more terrifying experiences I had playing a game because of the way they played with audio and you just have this machine or this uh, AI just haunting you the whole time. And it's like, it's in your head. You can't get rid of it. You're, it's always following you around, talking to you. And yeah, it's just, you, uh, it's an awesome play, experience. Did you ever play the board game Omega Virus? No. <laughs> we should totally play that. I have it. <laughs> Beautiful. All right, I'd be down. Yeah. We should, we should play that and stream it. That would be a fun one. <laughs> yeah. Because that sure. game used to scare the shit out of me playing it. Because <laughs> it, it is it is an AI, and you have to like type in the room number that you're in and stuff. And there's like all kinds of like other shit going on, and it starts to lose its fucking mind. Like the more you, the longer it takes before you like like ruin like kill it for its or, or before it self destructs or whatever the hell. Mm-hmm. Um, and it starts getting all crazy and glitchy and weird, and it's it's creepy as hell. Like it is legitimately creepy to play. Nice. But, but yeah, it's it's a it's a sweet board game. And that came out a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> like 20 Early, plus years ago. Yeah. Yeah, System Shock 2 is one of those ones. The funny thing is so like Brian brought up this idea of doing the immersive sim uh uh leaderboard in top 5 and I I was kind of like, "Oh, I haven't played enough of them. I feel like I should just make a list of the 5 immersive sims i should i should finish playing and honestly it's the five games that are on your list because like i have started (laughs) four of the five dishonored two being one that i haven't touched because i started dishonored one and tried it um and it's one of those things where the analysis paralysis of all the choice that you make is something that does not work for me you know it's it's the same reason i had to fight through 
it a bit with Deathloop and before that, even like something like Fallout 3, a lot of the open world kind of stuff and specking your characters, Bloodborne, that kind of thing. I, I think that's the nice thing about Deathloop, though, is it kind of solves that problem. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. For sure. And so now that I've played through Deathloop and I enjoyed it and all of that, I feel like I, me- I meant to and wanted to go back to Dishonored and some of these other games to try and at least commit to something and see how I like it and be a little bit less afraid of like, you know, getting halfway through the game and realizing that, oh, I didn't get the abilities that I wanted. Or I'm sure some of them have like respecking and stuff that you can do too. Um, but like, yeah, literally all of these games are ones that I'm like, I need to play through these. Prey is one that's been on my list of like, I enjoyed this. I don't think, I don't know that I enjoyed it as much when we recorded but I eventually picked it up on a Steam sale and went and played some more of it. And I was like, I really like this game. and But but I just haven't spent the time to go back and finish it. And I really would like to because um, it feels like something very special. And all of these games on this list are ones that are like, there's somebody, This these are someone's favorite game. Yeah. All of them yeah. is the thing about it. And uh it's it, they're all very incredible for very different reasons and so you know even bioshock is one that i never finished because i had the story spoiled for me but um you know the more i forget the more i'm like i, could, I might be ready to play through bioshock because i don't really remember what the spoiler could even be <laughs> i think it'd I be interesting to play through that just to see all the times that they basically drop hints knock about you, what the knock you over the head spoiler with spoilers yeah. going to be yeah yeah which i i hear is pretty often <laughs> yeah um someday yeah deus ex and system shock 2 i feel like probably have some killer mods out there for them somewhere that might make them moderate enough to be able to play <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah i mean i know i'm sounding like a snob because they're the top two games on my list but they're probably the least likely to be replayed like i'm a little bit more immune to that given given my enjoyment of retro games but uh sometimes you know honestly the biggest thing with those for me is some of the modernization of controls yes uh, in a lot of ways that's where they suffer the most they have very clunky old school inventory systems um, you yeah. know, where you got to rearrange all your items and stuff, but that, I don't mind that part too much because like Prey and, um, the newer Deus Ex games kind of just ran with that. Like they, they brought that idea back. They're like, no, that's cool. You can do yeah. that. And you're used to that with like, uh, Resident Evil makes you do yeah, that. For sure. No, one of the things that I thought was funny, uh, on Waypoint, they were recently streaming the OG System Shock. Um, not, not the demo remake or anything like that. Gotcha. And one of the things that they were baffled by was the need to hit a key to switch between clicking on the interface around what you're seeing and being able to look in the game, like free look and mm-hmm. mouse look even because mouse look, I think is also like a questionable thing at that point in time of like being the, able to uh, move your mouse to look around. I don't think that was a thing in that game. There was like a I, keys, I think, to look up and down. Uh, I, I remember look. playing it. I the thing is, I can't remember if I played it on a keyboard 
or if I played it with like a controller or something. Okay, maybe it's something that has come in since. Apparently, the version of the game that is on GOG, if you click E, you can use mouse look. Or if you press E, you can use mouse look. So maybe Yeah, there, there's an enhanced, the enhanced edition. edition. Yeah. Yes, yep. And System yeah, so. Shock 2, I think, has some kind of enhanced edition as well. I think that's what I have on Steam, but it doesn't seem very enhanced to me. I, I've definitely heard that game has <laughs> some... Uh, graphical mods that make that give the game better models and uh fix some of the interactivity of it and stuff i don't know i i'm i'm looking forward to that one being uh remade as well i guess they're working on that yeah well no that's a good list of some very great games Mm -hmm. and uh curious if anybody else out there are fans of the immersive sim um it's uh yeah, it's a very cool genre if you would even call it like a genre. I don't even know that it is. I feel like it's more of like a design philosophy because there can be genres within it. Honestly. So yeah. it's I guess it's, it's cool. In in the case of my list, it's like a subgenre of FPS. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, that's awesome. All right. Uh, I think it's time for my segment. Mm-hmm. And now, Patch Notes with John, Brian, and Alex. <laughs> so, there was a Resident Evil showcase. And uh, it was uh, last week. And there were a few different announcements. There's some pretty small potatoes. Things like there's an OS X version of Resident Evil Village coming out on this Friday, the 28th. Uh, The DLC is going to hit a little bit later because the DLC is coming out for the first time that day for the other platforms that the game's already out on. Uh, And they're bringing cloud versions of Resident Evil 2, 3, and 7 to the Switch, which are coming out, all of them, by December 16th. Um, So... If uh, I still haven't tried a cloud version of a Switch game, don't know how good it plays, but if you only have a Switch and you have not been able to play these Resident Evil games, these are all... 2 and 7 are very good, 3 is just okay. So, uh, check that out if you would really like. But, uh, the real meat and potatoes here, um, Resident Evil Village, the winner's expansion, is the DLC that's coming out for Village this Friday. Uh, it's $20 for those that already own the game, or there's a $50 gold edition coming out that includes the original game and this updated stuff. But there's three main things here. One of them is the Shadows of Rose DLC, which picks up where the kind of ending part of the game, uh, like the, they did like a little bit of a look ahead at the end of Village, and, and this will pick up with that where you play as, uh, Ethan and uh, Mia's daughter, uh, like 15 years after the events of Village, so that's that's going to be interesting, and it seems like she's got some kind of superpowers that she's dealing with. Um, and then they're also adding a third-person mode to Resident Evil Village, which I find interesting. Uh, they made it a very they made a very big point that you cannot you still cannot see Ethan's face. If you try and like pan the camera around his face, he looks away. <laughs> so they this still don't want to Nicholas show you Cage. his face. Yeah, who knows? God. And then uh, <laughs> they're adding some more to the mercenaries mode, which is the arcadey Resident Evil mode that uh, 
I, I forget which one was the first game that, that had mercenaries, but basically you're like, you have a time limit and you're chaining together kills to extend your time limit to get as big of a score as possible. They're going to add more stages uh, and you can play as three new characters. One of them is Chris Redfield, who's unlocked from the start, but you can also play as Heisenberg and Lady Dimitrescu, two of the uh, bosses slash villains from Village. You can be the giant vampire lady, although sadly they made her smaller for this so that she would not break the game. They apparently. nerfed her. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so three new things for Village coming in this uh, $20 DLC. I'm torn because I, I don't know. Like, I never really played the DLC for seven uh i'm kind of curious i'd have to i might look at some reviews or see what some resident evil fans say about the shadows of rose dlc the third honestly the weird thing is the third person mode is kind of the thing that interests me the most because i'm curious if the game still feels good and is interesting in third person um so yeah i'm curious and the other thing is i don't know they they showed some they kind of walk through some of the features of the VR version of 8 and our village and how it's going to work on the PSVR 2 when it comes out uh, at some point next year. But I'm curious. They haven't really said if you will need to purchase the game again. So I'm hoping that I'll just have access to it by owning the the normal PS5 version of it. Um, but if I need to buy this expansion to get it, then I will probably do that. So... <laughs> Very interested to play Resident Evil 8 and VR. Um, so that was one one of the bigger announcements. The second announcement is Resident Evil RE-verse, is what they called it in the stream. This was supposed to be available a lot sooner. Uh, it came out, it, like, they have a voucher in the Village box for RE-verse. Um, and... But but they ended up delaying it, and basically it's it's a deathmatch game, five minute matches. They have a bunch of characters and creatures you can play as a, at launch. Two main stages, one of them being Raccoon Police Department, the other being Baker, uh, the Baker House, which is from Resident Evil Seven. Um, but it's a it's like an online game, online deathmatch. They're gonna have a battle pass. They're gonna have DLCs. They have updates planned with more characters and costumes and challenges. Um, I'm very curious, you know, Project Resistance was something that came out with Resident Evil 3 Remake, I believe, and not many people played it, and it died very quickly, so I'm curious to see how this one will go, uh, and if I can still find my voucher for the game. <laughs> I don't know if I left it in the box or not. Um, but that'll be out this Friday as well with the DLC for Village, so, um, but that was all kind of the stuff for kind of the known quantities, the existing games that were coming. But they showed a bunch of Resident Evil 4 remake gameplay. They opened up pre-orders as well, still coming out on March 24th, 2023, as of right now. And they did mention that PS4 players are going to get a free update to PS5. There's a collector's edition that is exclusive to GameStop, but... Uh, I mentioned in the last segment, or two segments ago, that Resident Evil 4 is like the modern father of third-person action. And, um, you know, the interesting thing about this remake is that it feels like the gameplay is 
getting updated to what we've gotten in some of these more recent Resident Evil remakes, but really, you know, I'm my biggest question mark here is how much they're going to change the story. Because I think they'll probably make something good regardless, even if they do make big sweeping changes. But I know people were somewhat disappointed with Resident Evil 3 in that regard because they took a lot of what made that game special and different and kind of did away with it from like a story perspective. It just feels like an extension of Resident Evil 2, which is interesting in its own right. But Resident Evil 4 is like regarded extremely highly and to be going back to this it's almost like a slightly less intense version of making a final fantasy 7 remake you know like it's it's a very well regarded game there's not a ton that like resident evil 4 still feels pretty modern so it feels like they can really only lose by remaking it. But I'm curious to see what they're going to do. I don't know if either of you guys watched I mean, any of the gameplay. You feel like... Yeah, I checked it out. Mm. I, I mean, I think it's one of those situations where, like, uh, you know, <clears throat> prior to the Disney acquisition of Marvel, like, we got a bunch of Marvel movies that were like, okay, you know, most of them were not great. Spider-Man movies, eh. You know, X Men. The first one was cool. I'm sorry. Spider Man Two is one of the best comic book movies of all time. But things. Yeah, are, my right. point being that, like, now, now that we have all this technology at our disposal, I can see why a company like Capcom, with a game that's so highly regarded, would want to bring it into the modern era with all of the capabilities that are available to them now. Especially, and not not just limited to like graphical fidelity. Like, but also like HD rumble and like the PlayStation controller. I can only imagine what they're going to do with that. Yeah. Um, because the dual sense is, a you know, no pun intended, but a complete game changer when it comes to, you know, haptic feedback and everything else in games. Like it's incredible what that, what they're capable of doing with that sort of technology. I mean, think think back to even the Switch and playing uh, that one-two Switch demo game with, like, the little marbles in, like, the controller and, like, trying to count how many marbles are in the controller. Like, that sort of haptic feedback stuff is insane now. Like, it's so yeah. cool. Um, so I'd imagine a company like Capcom, having the resources they have available to them now, seeing the popularity of the Resident Evil games come back, especially having redone the second and third games. Two and three, yeah. Like... And how popular those were, why wouldn't you know? F- why wouldn't four get its its due diligence there? So, and I guess I should be a little bit less skeptical because honestly, like the remake of two, which was one of my favorite games of all time, is very very good. And the remake of three, which I thought was an opportunity for them to make a better game than what the original was, is the one that I'm kind of lukewarm on. So it's like I can probably trust them to do right by Resident Evil Four, but. I don't know. It's just interesting. I, it's it's weird. It's not one of the ones that I would have been like, let's remake it. Honestly, at right. this point, I need him to go back to Resident Evil 1 so that we can have it in this engine with these graphics. Like, they better fucking do it now. Because if I can have those four games on modern systems with these graphics, that's fucking great. That's amazing. And I And I really think they need to go back and do it. But then if they get to five, like Brian said, if they get to six, which are both really like critically dumped on games for good reason, 
can can they do anything interesting with it can they modernize it and some what are they going to do are they just going to make is it going to be like a fucking legacy sequel where they delete half of the movies that are in a series like um like the halloween the the recent halloween movies where they went back to halloween one and they're like hey you know halloween halloween two through whatever doesn't exist <laughs> you know resident evil four five five and six don't exist this is resident evil five the real one or something whatever the subtitle is going to be i don't know but I, I it's so i mean we all saw star wars throw away an entire film and i mean that's <laughs> only one multiple at this point yeah, yeah well suppose. we'll see but i don't know brian what are your thoughts are, are you, had, you did you didn't play the original four at all did you no i missed okay. out on that it just wasn't available for any systems that I was playing at the time. Yeah, but it was I, I always heard good things. Exclusive yeah. when it came out. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Um, I, I mean, I would give it a try probably, but I need to go back and play through the RE2 make, remake first. Like yeah. I, I got. I don't know. I might just restart it because I got stuck, and then every time I go back. I can't remember what I've done, so I I just feel more stuck. Like, I I just keep going between all these different rooms, and I'm like, oh, I feel like I did everything I can possibly do. Like, what am I doing wrong? You can look at your map and see if the room have changed to blue instead of red, and maybe go to some of the red rooms or the rooms you haven't been in. Like, I've been in every room that I can get in, as far as I know. I don't know what I screwed up but it shouldn't well, be this if difficult they turn, if they turn blue on the map then you've done everything you can do in that room you so may maybe have left your musket on the stairs yeah that's possible i was having a hard time countering the enemies how did this come back to bloodborne <laughs> i don't understand it's uh, a horror episode that's what we're doing i would say yeah i think you should go back to two because it's very good i think you could skip over three and honestly four has leon in it uh, the main character of two. Um, so, All right. uh, it's, it, it would be kind of a good way to come back to it. I'm also curious to see, cause they did do a VR version of four for Oculus. Um, and it's Oculus exclusive. Like, I wonder how that deal worked and if they will try to do VR for PSVR two for the new Resident Evil four or not. Um, you know, I didn't think it was coming for village, but it is now i'm sure uh, facebook paid them an absurd amount of money for it probably and that's why probably. they had to make it again in a new engine so that it's considered a <laughs> new game and then they can make a new version of it in vr so that it doesn't you know uh go against their contract with with meta yeah well yeah, maybe i'm still mad that i bought my oculus rift back in the day which i've now sold many many years ago at this point thinking that Resident Evil 7 on PC would have a VR mm. mode at some point, and it never did, and apparently never will. Yep. And that's bullshit. Yep. Sony's exclusive, that exclusive money. Honestly, the only reason I haven't played that entry is because I played the VR demo, and I feel like I'd be shortchanging myself playing it in just a regular 
way. <laughs> you want well, you can it, you can borrow my VR headset and I've got the adapter for the PS5 for the camera, so I was going to say if you really wanted to play it, we can we we both have PS VRs that are not being used. Uh yeah, I may consider that actually. <laughs> so True. it's all yours. I I, ha- I definitely have right. the space for it now, which was mm-hmm. also a concern. I definitely like with my Rift that I was one, prone honestly, to bump into objects, and I I can easily clear space in this room for well, VR. Well, the thing is with Seven is that it used the controller. It didn't use. Yeah, the, I mean that helps too. <laughs> yeah, so you didn't. You don't really need yeah, as much not, space. You're not reaching than, for things. You're not swiping stuff or like. I mean, trying you're to probably going to want to duck and hide a lot, so it might be good to have a little more vertical space to move yeah, around. You want to install that, some tear guards like at the bottom to soak up your tears from all of your fear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah put down a couple you know plastic some, sheets some puppy pads you shit your pants. Pants. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah wear some uh depends there put you on go. some of the diapers you already own mm-hmm. but yeah uh march 23rd or 24th 2023 uh for the four remake which is quite close to my birthday and so i'll probably nice delay my birthday day off that i usually take or but take off both days and then play yeah, a bunch of Resident yourself. Evil 4. Yeah, I, I think I'm going to have to. I, I've been really meaning to play through Resident Evil 4, and I might try and do that. I actually bought uh, the... I think a lot of the... Um, a lot of the Resident Evil community really rallied around the Wii version of Resident Evil 4 because you can aim with the Wiimote. And um, I bought that a while back, and I've never played it. And I, I'd like to maybe give that a try. So I'll probably try and do that before the remake comes out just to refresh myself on the story and, and, you know, be able to make comparisons between the two. Cause I did very much love that game back in the day. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very curious to see what they're going to do with this remake. And, and, you know, I think, John, I think you're right in terms of, like, it's nice to be able to bring this one forth. And honestly, like, it, I think the weird thing is that people feel so good about 4 that, like, I feel kind of weird that they're like, oh, yeah, we can definitely make money on this. Right. But at the same time, they did so good with, like, Village. Not as good as they did with 7, but they've been doing well with these newer... um newer Resident Evil games that I feel like I can give them money for their remakes because they're still, it's not like it's all that they're doing. So (laughs) they're actually trying new things with some of their games. And I like that, but we do have some breaking news. Uh, discord chat is coming to PS five. Brian just posted the link. That's fun. I think that's already in beta on the Xbox. I think you should, uh, you should just play through all the Resident Evil games that you have and stream them all for your Daft Tonk series. I've wanted to go back even to Zero. I never played through Zero, uh, which also got shit on and was uh, GameCube exclusive at the time. But Zero um, Zero's a bit of a blind spot for me, and I've never touched Six because people said it was so horrible, including Willie, who was one of the biggest Resident Evil fans that I know. Hey, on the bright side, you can have someone suffer through five with you because it has co-op play. That's I, that's the thing. I played <laughs> through that one with Willie, and it was a lot of fun playing co-op. Honestly, that might be what was missing for you. I don't think it's that great of a game. 
Like, it's it's fine. Played some of it co-op. It just seemed like the co-op mechanics were not well thought out compared to, you know, Gears of War at the time, for example, like I already mentioned. Gears of War was kind of gold standard for that. Yeah, um, so but, it felt a bit know, clunky. And, it, and Resident Evil was again floundering after the success of four. They were like, "How do we make new video games still?" And then they'd made five, and uh, you know, it's not good. But at one point, I think Wesker takes a like a fucking surface to air missile to the face and <laughs> still survives somehow. So it's. I don't it's know. actually it's a really good video game is what i'm trying to say <laughs> so yeah no resident evil lots of good resident evil news good week for horror video games you know same reason that tiny terror was about uh that stuff there was a big silent hill showcase like the day before the resident evil one and uh you know lots of good stuff coming out i'm very <laughs> The one thing I'm most curious about with Resident Evil 4 Remake is how pervy Leon will be with the president's daughter and whether or not she's still, like, 15 years old or whatever she was in the original (laughs) game, because that was fucking weird, and I Mm. hope they fix that shit, because... You're right. uh, She'll be 16 now. (laughs) Yeah, and the internet will be like, oh, why why didn't they just leave it the way it was? You know, they get all butthurt, like, oh, they're going to change it... Cancel culture, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> just too old. Oh, I, man. Why can't I still play as a pedophile? <laughs> <laughs> I thought this oh, was an boy. immersive sim. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in the cinematics, she looks like she's been aged up, but also that might just be weird. <laughs> Is she like 80 now? That'd be yeah, awesome. they, they changed it to the president's <laughs> grandmother. <laughs> She looks like she could be a comparable age with Leon. You have to rescue the president's grandmother. In his 20. They actually put like real clothing on Ada too. She's not wearing like a fucking cocktail dress to be a secret agent. So that's probably good. I think the Japanese culture is Yeah, I think you really only bit. have to fear the perviness of like the the people playing the game at this point because they're all yeah. going to be well, so mad. That's always been scary, but uh, the scariest part of Resident Evil the fan base. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, fortunately, Reddit can be avoided. True. Can it? <laughs> it's difficult. I mean, if you need to, you need, if you need the solution to a everyday problem or something, it's hard to avoid. Right. All, All right. right. Well. If you want to follow us on social media or see all the places you can listen to or watch the show, check out MidwestGamers.com slash links. I guess you can't watch the show anymore because we don't really post the videos, but... You can watch the old episodes. Yeah, you can watch the old episodes. If you're a creep and you look through our windows while we're recording, you can watch. That's weird. Yeah, that that. is weird. Yeah, I'm not condoning that. Please don't. Yeah, anyways, (laughs) check that stuff out at MidwestGamers.com slash links. Midwest Podcast Network has a Patreon patreon supports all of the shows on our network you can subscribe as little as one dollar a month help keep our shows alive and well check it out mpn.bz slash patreon thanks again to jason k tomsey david o alan k and Corey z for the contributions one of the perks to joining the patreon is you get early access to our bonus episodes that we call side quests you get access to the horror movie yearbook guys episodes that they call tiny terrors and honor roll those are great super fun episodes especially the episode they posted about them and the things that make them squirm that was a fun mm-hmm. one Mm-hmm. Uh, so be sure to check that out if you get a chance if you're not a patron 
you get them in their normal feed and it comes out a week later if you are a patron it comes out like the next day so just uh something to think about as always we do appreciate your feedback which you can send to midwestgamers at gmail.com don't forget to rate and review us on your favorite podcatcher that's uh that's pretty much it for now we'll see you guys in a couple weeks peace <laughs>